Welcome to the Project Unchained podcast, where my special guests and I help you break free from the chains that hold you back from life's greatest experiences. The goal of this podcast is to educate people on self-care modalities that can and will improve your life if you commit to doing them. An effective self-care regimen is the single most important thing that you can do for yourself to have a more extraordinary life experience. I'm your host, Ross Leppola, and I've spent the past several years of my life on a journey of healing and self-care after living my first 28 years chained down by my own limiting thoughts and beliefs. Now, I'm here to share what I've learned with you to empower you to break free from the chains that hold you back from your unlimited potential. Let's get unchained. When you were lost in the woods, you were misunderstood by everyone, everyone. You were searching for words, but they came out absurd. And no one heard you, no one heard you speak your Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Project Unchained podcast. I'm your host, Ross Lepola. Grateful for you to be here today, tuning in. Grateful to today's special guest, Evangelia, for joining us and joining me, sharing her story. I first met Evangelia a couple of years ago when we were both taking a personal development course by the Ruiz family, Don Miguel Ruiz, Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., Don Jose Ruiz, and the whole Ruiz family. Don Miguel Ruiz is the author of The Four Agreements, and it's an absolutely fantastic book. I highly recommend it if you have not yet read it. It's really a, a solid book. All of their work is really, really rather solid. Anyways, I'm excited to share Evangelia's story and excited for her to be on and share her story and the things that she has experienced in her life and how she's overcome them and what she does now. And it's really quite a triumphant story to endure some of the things that she's endured and get to this place where where she's doing really good in life. So I'm, I'm excited to share that. That's what we're here for. That's what I have really enjoyed a lot about this show is, is sharing stories of those triumphs with you all. And I hope that you gain from that. I hope you find your way to do, be, and create more meaning and joy in your life. So yeah, let's uh, let's dive in. I'll stop rambling. Without further ado, Evangelia. Evangelia, my friend, thank you so much for joining me today on the Project Unchained podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. It was a pleasure meeting you several, actually probably over a year ago now when we first took Don Miguel Ruiz's uh, Reflections, of Authentic- Reflections of Authenticity course. That's correct. Almost two years now. It'll be two years in January. Was it that long ago? Oh, wow. Time flies. Time flies when you're having fun, right? It sure does. It sure does. So how about we dive in with a little bit of an intro? Like who is Evangelina? Like anybody that doesn't know you, how do they tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from? Uh, my name is Evangelia. The last name is a little bit difficult to pronounce, so I'll just I'll just give it a go for everyone who doesn't know me. Uh, it's Kilia Kuding. I am Greek. I was born and raised on an island in Greece. I came to Canada about 15 years ago, and I have built my life and my career since then. 
I work uh, I work full time in the corporate world, but actually where my heart and where my passion is is in my holistic healing practice. So I'm a psychic medium, I'm a Reiki master teacher, and I do all forms of energy healing, spiritual coaching, and that's where my soul's purpose and my mission in life lies in helping others discover that everything that they need to heal is already within them, right? Through the the dark times, through the times that are challenging, we can all overcome it. And it's something that I'm very, very passionate about being able to hold that space for others. That's fantastic. I definitely understand why you were, why I found you in or rather why we found each other in Don's course with the work that you do. And I would imagine that while that's your life purpose and that's your like your your core work that really drives you, I think a lot of times we arrive at stuff like that through, you know, the rising of the phoenix, through the ashes, through through the turmoil and suffering of something in the past brings us to that point. And I suppose I know that because we've already had a conversation about it, but, and that's why we're here today is to share a bit of your story and some of the struggles that you went through and how you have overcome them to be in a more authentic place and being able to use your gifts and experiences to help others. Absolutely. And interesting enough that you mentioned the phrase, the rising of the Phoenix, because my business, my practice is called Phoenix Holistic Healing. And that is exactly why, because throughout my entire life, I've been burned to the ground, to my very core. And I have been able to reborn and, in, and regenerate and rebirth from that and learn what is it that I need to do? What is it? What is the lesson? in everything that is happening in my life. And uh, it hasn't always been very clear and it hasn't always been a very easy path. Uh, My challenges, I guess, started when I was very, very young, early teenager. Uh, My first boyfriend at the time, he had attempted to physically force himself on me. So he had attempted to rape me. And coming from a very, very small place, from a place that the the culture is very different, things are not as open-minded as here, the society is very uh, patriarchal, so I was the one who was ashamed of that. So when when he didn't succeed in doing that, then the next choice, I guess, that he made was that he was just going to go out and about in, in our small community, in our small society, and spread rumors. So as a 13-year-old girl, I was at the time, uh, this got to my parents' ears and my family, I love them dearly. I love my parents dearly. I know that they have done, they, they've done all that they could with, with what they had, with the tools that they had. So there's a, there's a piece of forgiveness there. But when my parents found out, actually, it was the first time that my dad laid a hand on me, and it was uh, it was a very it was a very hard time. My dad beat me up. I was treated as I was the one that had brought this upon myself, the shame upon the family. And at thirteen years old, when you're going something like that, as as a female, as a girl, when everything is forming. Um, 
I lost my sense of safety because now the, the, the family and the safety that I was supposed to have was, was taken away from me. The next few years that followed were also very, very challenging because I was basically locked up in the house. I was only allowed to go to school and then come back. Everything that was in my room, my my TV, um, I think my radio at the time. So that's kind of dating myself. We used to have play things on the radio then, but uh, right. I think those things were kind of taken away from me. So I really had a lot of time to actually turn within because turning within was my only outlet. And I spent countless days and nights you know, just contemplating and figuring out, you know, why did this have to happen to me, right? What did I do? Where is, where is my error in this? And at that age, you don't really understand what's happening, right? But it was also during that dark time. And because I was able to turn inwards and start exploring that I solidified more my connection to spirit, right? So when I didn't have anyone else to talk to, you know, I, I talked to angels and spirits and that was my comfort. And that was also the first time that I had that I experienced an out-of-body experience, a soul journey experience. So I spent a lot of time uh, without friends. Uh, when I used to go to school, I, I was getting bullied at school because of the rumors, because of everything that had been spread. Mind you, again, like I said, coming from a very small community and from a very small place, these are things that are almost everyday things, right? And they're not right, they're not necessarily right, but they are things that occur. So there came a point at that age that I had seen in front of me how the rest of my life was going to be and where I was heading. And I remember that at 13, I stood in front of my mom and I literally just spilled out all of the things that I had seen in my mind's eye of where I'm going, of what I'm going to do, what my purpose was going to be. And at that time, mom just looked at me and shook her head, right? You're not going to believe a 13-year-old girl when, when she says something like this to you. And the next years that followed, um, what did you what did you say to her? So I said that I was going to move abroad. I was going to move to North America. I was going to explore the world and you know open up my senses to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to university. I was going every single thing, every single thing that I was kind of seeing in my mind's eye was just coming out of my mouth without even being conscious of what I was saying. And at that age, you also think that it's a little bit of you know, I'm just trying to antagonize my mom, right? But it wasn't the case. But years actually passed before I was able to do that. It wasn't until 13 years later that I that I was able to actually break away from that. But, you know, everything leading up to that, there was always this voice and this fire almost that was kind of burning inside of me and there was this voice that kept nagging me that this is not meant to be your life I did not want to get married I did not want to have children those were very very conscious decisions that I had made for myself since I was very very young coming from a place where tradition and culture raises girls in a very different way posed problems so in my culture, in my society, and growing up in that as a, as a woman, 
you're supposed to grow up, get married, have children, take care of the family and the parents. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if your ambitions and your dreams and the things that you want for yourself are outside of that, it is not always met with kindness or grace. So I was treated a lot like the black sheep. And I did try for years to actually make it work that maybe this is my life. Maybe I should stay here. I entered a long-term relationship while I was there. Um, I stayed with my um, ex-boyfriend there at the time for 10 years. And he wanted something different. I wanted something different. And I always had this little voice of everything that I used to do that I was, maybe I am supposed to get married. I am supposed to have children. Maybe this is supposed to be my life. But that voice and that fire inside kept nagging me. This is not your journey. This is not who you are. And I tried to silence it and I tried to close my ears to it, but it was constantly there. Well, it came a point that I actually had no choice but to listen to that. And I remember at the at the age of 20, I came across a book that actually changed my life. And it's the entire reason why I'm here today. I came across The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Okay. It changed my very core. Everything in my head makes sense. There was something that snapped in me. I felt invincible. I felt that there wasn't anything in the world that I cannot accomplish, that I cannot do. Mind you, at that age, you also have a little bit of, uh, you're a little bit naive, I guess, as well. You, you haven't fully experienced the world. So take that naiveness along with that desire and that fire to explore the world. It, it was just, it was in, in a moment's time that everything changed. So I left my 10-year-old relationship. I left my career of 10 years as well. And I packed my bags and I was ready to move to another country. I was ready to move to Ireland because I knew that there was something much bigger out there for me. There was another purpose for me that was not associated with having a family or being, being a wife. And like I said, all of those are great things for someone who wants them. And I left Meanwhile, I met my ex-husband. My ex-husband was in Canada, where I am now. And it was a long-distance relationship. And I remember I moved to Ireland, and we were talking, and we were kind of planning our life and the next steps. And I had not said a single word to anyone about this, because it was a crazy thing that was happening, right? He was in Canada. I was in Ireland. We had never physically met. We had only met on Skype. And for anyone who's listening who has daughters, if I ever had a daughter, I would probably have her in the basement with no internet then, you know, just having this sort of adventure. Um, so I moved to Ireland. I stayed in Ireland briefly. And then we decided that we were going to explore what this relationship brought. So I moved to Canada. 10 days after I had moved in Ireland. And what followed after, you know, was once in a lifetime experience, I guess. There were good things and bad things. 
I stayed in my marriage for approximately 10 years, but my ex-husband was an alcoholic and he also had a lot of narcissistic tendencies and traits. And that combination was not a great one. So I, you know, it was the first time that I, that I was exposed to someone who had addictions. I wasn't, I didn't know how to navigate it. I didn't know why all of those things were happening. He never physically hurt me, but he was extremely abusive in an emotional manner, uh, mental, mentally and emotionally. He was very, very abusive because when he would drink, it would be just Mr. Jekyll and Dr. Hyde. It would be someone that I would not recognize. And when you have never experienced something like that, it it kills you. It kills you not being able to understand how somebody that you know you love so much and he claims that he loves you can treat you in such a way. And at the time, I thought that I could fix it. And I think that's why I also stayed for so long. And it was just my biggest challenge when I finally stepped away from the marriage and my biggest challenge and my biggest lesson that... I can't fix anyone else other than myself. And I can't save anyone else other than myself. So the toxicity, I guess, and, you know, that negative interaction continued way past our our divorce. He has actually passed away. He passed away approximately a month ago. And it was something that... I lost myself in it. In the 10 years that I that I was involved, I lost sight of who I am, what I am, what am I here for? And I lived my life in a manner that was fight or flight the entire time. And that was associated with a lot of the things that were happening. You know, he would go off on vendors and be looking for him or he'd be stranding me in the city not being able to come home there were there were just a lot of a lot of things that happen when when you're dealing with something like this so it took it took until i was actually out of the marriage for me to have this huge inwards look and figure out okay who am i outside of this right and when you are dealing with something like this and with someone who is treating you like that, you lose yourself, but you don't realize it because it's chipping away from you a little bit at a time. And when right. something is happening slowly, right, you don't necessarily realize it until you're far away from it. And now you can gain more perspective. So I had to rebuild myself from the ground up. I didn't have any family. I don't have any family here. My entire family is back in Europe. I didn't have any friends because when you are involved in situations like this, one of the things that happens is you actually remove yourself from your social life. You tend to turn inwards trying to deal with it. And also, you know, being in a relationship with someone who is a narcissist is actually one of the tactics to remove you from your support network right? Take you away from something like this. So I had to learn again to, you know, just build up my confidence and 
understand why also did I do certain things the way that I did them? Why did I stay so long, right? Why did I try to fix it? So it was it was almost like the journey of trying to rewire and understand again everything that I have been taught since I was little, everything that, you know, religion and culture and society had instilled in me. I had to take a really hard look at all of those things and actually start separating what's mine and what's not. And that was actually the reason why I was led to the internship that we took together at, um, well, with Don Miguel Ruiz and, uh, and his sons. So it was almost that return to your authentic self, right? right. So it was, it, was a, it was quite the journey, quite the journey. Say that again. And it continues to be. It continues to be a journey. It's oh, it's constant right. learning. It's constant learning. Exactly. It is. It is. There's a lot there. And I gotta back up. I want to back way up. And I'm not quite sure how to how to word it, but I, I can't even begin to imagine what it would be like to have this person that you know, when you were talking about being a teen and your first boyfriend was physically mm-hmm. abusive to you, what it would be like to be on the receiving end of that. And then they go out and spread rumors as though it's your fault. And then you're, who's supposed to be your guardian, your savior, your protector, then also turns on you. Yeah. Like that, fuck. Yeah. I, I know the only thing that I can kind of somewhat relate to from that is just the the realize the small community and how fast rumors get spread and how much the community will believe rumors just I don't I don't understand why but people for some reason in small communities large ones too probably but we feel it very impactfully in small communities love to fucking gossip and they love to believe it as though it's true that's right. And then treat you as though it's true. That's right. That's right. And it's very well, hard. It was it was hurtful. It was extremely hurtful. Not only others believing that, but my family actually did not believe me. When I was saying at that young, young age, this is what happened, right? And that, you know, other than the physical pain, right? the emotional pain and and that trauma and the loneliness that comes from that was just out of this world. And I didn't know how to deal with it. I did not know what I could have done differently or, you know, I questioned, I questioned a lot, obviously, why me and why did this have to happen to me? But it's just those feelings of, you know, not feeling safe and not feeling secure. And it's not the it's not the physical sense of safety. It's that emotional part, right? Yeah. Knowing that you're in the presence of someone that can hold your heart safe and have and, and hold that space for you, right? To to go through that emotional pain. But instead of that, no, I was, I was isolated. So I was the only thing 
that was my company. I was literally my only company because my friends moved away from even even speaking to me. No one was allowed to come at the house. I wasn't allowed to to be out other than school. So it was a very, very lonely time. And I think that it's also what brought on later the fact that I didn't want to stay there. I didn't want to stay in that sort of society. That's not where my where my heart was. And that's not what I wanted for myself in the long run. But I think a lot of that also fed into the marriage that I stayed into. Yeah. So everything is related. Everything that you know, everything that happens to us is is interconnected and you don't always understand why, but I experienced the same thing in my marriage, right? right. And it, it's just that sheer loneliness of even being some being with someone physically in the same room, but feeling so alone. I have never I have never felt so invisible, I guess. Yeah. My life. That's yeah. definitely tough. I've talked about that in other places that being with someone, if you are lonely and you feel lonely and you're dealing with loneliness, being with someone is not going to be the thing that cures you and fixes that loneliness. Being alone and being lonely are two very, very different experiences. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they definitely I'm, are. You know, I'm someone who actually I I love my solitude. Right. I love that the time with myself and, and spending that time with myself. But you know, when when you layer in the trauma from all of those situations, right? And when you are with someone that's it's supposed to be a loving marriage. I don't think that any of us gets, you know, gets married to get divorced or gets married with those ideas in their head that this is not going to work out. But when you crave that from your partner and you're not reciprocated, it that is also very, very hurtful. Uh, my ex-husband used to withhold affection. And that was something that to me was was such a huge part of me. I needed to feel that affection, the physical affection, the emotional affection. And for him, it was a way to almost control me and manipulate me in that sense. And it killed me. As a, as a woman, as a person, it floored my self-esteem. It floored everything, everything that I had, everything that I thought about myself, everything that I felt was just... It, it just evaporated. It right. just evaporated. So it was really, really hard walking away from that. And especially when you walk away from someone while well, you still love them, right? But it's recognizing that you can only help yourself. And if you have a choice between who to save, if you are in a situation like this, always pick yourself because that's the only one that you can actually save from a situation like this. We cannot control them. We cannot fix something else, right? We can only control to the tips of our fingertips. And, and that's it. And I don't think that we all realize that. I think that the way sometimes that we are raised and the and the the morals and the ethics that are instilled in us are not necessarily for our highest good. 
right? Right. It's faulty programming. It is. <laughs> it is. And it, it's, it takes so much. I'm saying it has taken almost my, my half my adult life trying to rewire all of those things, all of those agreements and the contracts that we made and all of the yep. things that they, they program into you, right? For sure. For sure. Especially hearing where you came from and what you experienced. I know like you talked about the, like the way to describe that, you know, when you, you get so far down that road with, with your ex and you're 10 years down the road and it's like, sometimes you don't realize how far down the road you've gotten until you're finally able to take a broader look and broader perspective. And you realize like, Oh, I've been chipping away. It's just a slow, very slow burn. And I, I get that. I relate to that on a bunch of different levels. And it is that thing. Like we don't know a lot of times what the end of the path is looking like or what further down the path looks like until we get down there. And sometimes we get down there like, Oh shit. But what I, where I wanted to get to with that, like you mentioned that you thought you could save him. What do you think contributed to you thinking that way? A lot of it is the way that I grew up and the culture, right? In, in, in our culture and the way that I was brought up and the things that were instilled in me is that, one, we don't talk about problems outside of the house, so no one can know what is happening. We never abandon family, which I mean, you know, it, it is a good value to have, but at what expense, right? right? And the other thing was that as females and as women, you know, we are the caregivers. We are the ones who give of ourselves to the point that is, there's nothing left for us to look after ourselves. And then we feel guilty if we are trying to tend to ourselves, to look after ourselves, make choices for ourselves. So that was huge because throughout the the span of those 10 years, no one knew what was happening in my life. My family did not know. My friends did not know. My work did not know. There were only a couple of select people on my ex's family that knew. No one else knew. One, I thought that I could fix it. And if I could fix it, no one has to know that something was broken. Right. Two, I was ashamed. I was ashamed of everything that was happening and I was scared. I was horrified. And then I was also uh, afraid to go, right? And I've always been an independent person. I've always I've always worked. I've always been able to hold my own, but there's there's this fear and sometimes it feels more comfortable sitting in a situation that does not serve you. That is dangerous because ultimately, you know, things could have gone a very different way. Right. And it's very hard to look at those things while you're in that situation. But the upbringing and the culture and the, and the religion and all of those things, because I did grow up religiously, those played a huge part. And those also were the things that I had to rewire after I left the marriage. I had to understand you know, what are the biggest lessons in this for me? Because yes, I can't fix someone else. I can't help them if they don't want to help themselves. But why did I stay? Why did I think that it was upon me to fix it all? Right? So 
it was more so now trying to resolve all of those things for myself and trying to understand why am I wired the way that I am. And I remember when I came across the, the Four Agreements, which is the book by Don Miguel Ruiz, I actually came across that a couple of years before you and I met on that internship. And I remember I'm two pages in and I am bawling my eyes out because all of the things that are said, they are so simple in nature. The principles are so simple, but they are so profound, right? Explaining why we're wired in this way, how we've been programmed, all of the things that we believe about ourselves because others told us to, right? And there were so many things that I believed about myself. After that, I believed that I wasn't desired. I believed that I wasn't beautiful inside or outside. I believed that I wasn't I wasn't able to to move on in my life. And those were all things that I really had to work on. And it's just it's hard. It's hard work looking inside. It's hard work, but it's so worth it coming out on the other side and, you know, understanding, understanding where you've been and all of the things that you've been through, I think is part of why I'm so passionate about what I do, right? Because it's, it's only someone that has walked in the same darkness as you have, that's able to come out on the other side and hold that light. Yeah, I agree. So that's why my mission is to hold that light for someone else because I didn't have. But here you are now also being your own light. Right. And it takes a lot of self-healing because you can't fix someone else. You can't heal someone else. You can only show them that what they need to hear is already in them and you can hold that space for them. Right. But, you know, any any healers and any people who do this sort of work, whether it's in my field or, or something very, very relevant, they're all people that have gone through the darkest times and they have walked in the shoes of the people that come to see us or that come to, to have that place of, of peace and safety. And it's, it's very... It's just, it's just, it lights up my heart because to me now, after so many years, it has all made sense because for the longest time, and I think this was something that I mentioned when you and I met a, a while ago, was that for the longest time, I questioned why me? Why can I not have a white picket fence life? Why can I not be normal you know air quotations here and why did all of those things had to happen to me and it wasn't until I shifted the narrative and I understood that they didn't happen to me they happened for me and once you change that once you switch the language that you use with yourself once you realize that you're not the victim of your own story you're not the villain of your own story either 
right? That that right there makes a huge difference of how you deal with the things and the challenges that come up in your life. Because now when a challenge comes up, I look for the lesson. What it, What is it trying to teach me? What do I need to learn in order to move on to my next step? I don't look at it anymore and say, oh my goodness, why did this have to happen to me? Why me? Right. And I know that a lot of us ask those questions. We do not understand the purpose and and where it's leading us. And it's very, very tough. But once you gain that self-awareness, it gives you power. Power in the sense that you have knowledge. And with knowledge, you have a choice. And now I choose how I'm going to show up in my life. Even when things are challenging, I choose what my action to it is, right? Because I understand my triggers. I understand what what are the things that I have gone through. And I love having that choice. And I love understanding that, you know, I I have a lot of things to work on, like everyone else. Nothing is 100% roses, right? Anyone that tells you that, they constantly live in this state of joy and nothing can bring them down. I think that's one of the greatest lies out there right. because growth and progress happens in the shadows when you right. turn towards to face your demons and come out on the other side. Right. We're all going to have bad days, bad experiences. It's not about the experience. It's about how you choose to respond. And how you choose to use that to to learn and grow and elevate. And like, that's one of the things, you know, when we think about like authenticity, I think a lot of people get confused as to what that really is. And the way I tend to look at it and have grown to look at it now is that it's the ability to choose how you want to play out in life rather than just being an unconscious repeating pattern broken record you are aware of your triggers you are aware of the experiences in your life and you are aware of how they might have affected how you formulate your thoughts and patterns and behaviors and when presented with a new moment in life in time you can choose to operate in the same manner because you think that it will support you or you can choose to operate in a different manner because you realize that that pattern was that pattern no longer serves you in a in an elevated way that's right i also think that it takes a lot of courage for anyone doing you know that self work and that shadow work because it's not always easy to look at the parts of you that you don't necessarily feel that they are as good and not that and not that you know there's ugly things or there's bad things but we all have shadows right and yeah. there has to be this balance there has to be the balance between the shadow and the light because that's that's what life is and that's that's how the energy is balanced but when you choose to go within and start working those out start doing your shadow work it can be very, very difficult. And I, I can almost understand why people choose not to do that. Because sure. you get you get so comfortable sitting in a place where you don't belong, that doesn't serve you right, but it's familiar. And that's why we stay. Yep. 
because it's much scarier venturing off and being in an in uncharted territory, right? We don't know what we're going to discover about ourselves unless we actually do that work. So it yeah. it takes it takes it takes strength and resilience to do this kind of work. Yeah. And I think a lot of times too people stay in those situations and those events. Well there's there's multiple reasons why a person would stay in a you know unhealthy, like toxic relationship, things of that nature. But really I think it's just the belief that it can't get better that it can't be better, that, oh, if I leave, it'll just be worse. That's right. So I will just stay in this shit show and just deal with it. That's right. When, and unfortunately, that's not the reality. That doesn't have to be the reality, more often than not. But that's so true, right? And that's why, you know, I did it myself. I stayed in my marriage much longer than, you know, that then probably someone should have stayed under those circumstances because it wasn't a healthy it wasn't a healthy relationship mentally emotionally spiritually it was not it was not a healthy environment but it was comfortable because at least even in the in the darkest hours i knew what to expect whereas leaving and starting over and having to look at those part of, parts of yourself is scary. And you don't know, am I going to be able to make it, right? right? Am I going to be able to support myself? Am I going to be able to do this? So I can understand why people stay because I was one of them, right? I've experienced it. So I can understand the fear that comes with it. But if there's one thing that I can, I can absolutely say with certainty is that when you choose your well-being in all aspects of your life and when you choose yourself it's never wrong it's never wrong and i say that with all of my heart and i have so much empathy and so much care you know for people who are going through things like that on both sides on you know both both sides of the person who Who's the recipient of it and, and the side of the person who is the one that has the addiction, who is the one that has that has to deal with those things. But you can only control yourself. You can only fix you. You can't fix anyone else. You can take them by the hand, lead them up to the pond to drink the water. And if they don't want to drink it, there's nothing you can do about that. Right. And it's a tough pill to swallow when you are a fixer, when you think that you can control everything, you can fix it, and everything is going to be okay. But it's not because right. now you're settling. Right. You mentioned, well, let me, let me back up because there's a couple of questions that, that are coming to my mind that I wanted to touch on. One of the things that, that popped up for me when you talked about thinking that you could have saved him and staying in that situation longer than what was good for your well-being and thinking about the, the shadow work and things of that nature, doing a lot of the like inner child work and reflecting back into past experiences, I can't help but wonder how much of that was a reflection of you almost wanting to try and save your dad. Is there, am I off base there? Is there any connection there? 
Not really. I don't think that that was what was prominent for me. I think what was prominent for me was I myself felt again like that 13-year-old girl that was not safe, that was not heard, that was not loved ultimately, mm-hmm. right? Because that's how I felt. Regardless of what the external factors were, that's how I felt, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it was almost that switch that went on. And, and there were things that happened with my ex that, you know, ultimately pushed me to to leave the marriage. Because I think if if something big hadn't happened, I still think that there was a part of me that was going to have stayed in, in the marriage for, for longer. Yeah. Okay. But it was more so about me was because we don't give ourselves the same grace, the same empathy that we give others. Right. So it takes almost removing yourself from you, right? And and seeing you as that little girl or that little boy. And would you ever let anyone hurt? that little boy or that little girl, you wouldn't. So once I removed myself from it almost, it made sense that I was the one that I needed to fix. And that's why I did a lot of the things that I that I did because I didn't necessarily love myself. Right? I didn't love all of my all of my pieces and my broken pieces and my pieces that were holding it together pretty well. And that's ultimately what it boils down to. Okay. It starts with that self-love yeah. and I didn't always love myself. Right. No, that makes total sense for sure. And and I, I suppose where why my head went that way is just knowing that sometimes uh, I've read in different places that expressions and relationships a lot of times can be, you know, uh, absolutely. And I think that my ex, though my my father is a is a good man. There's no addictions. There's nothing there. But my ex husband had a, a lot of his. A lot of the good traits of my ex-husband actually are traits of my father. But I think that most of it for me was the fact that I didn't love myself enough to put me first. Right. And that also was really, really hard. It was a very hard realization because we always think we love ourselves, but we don't always we don't always love ourselves with all of our parts. And that hits on the other question. When you mentioned the shadow work and you mentioned the word shame, I look at shame and, and guilt as being those feelings of you're not wanting other people to see you and your truth and how you really are. And that is a surface layer mask of you not wanting to see yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how, you hit the nail on the head on that one. So how do you, how did you work through healing that shame? Yeah, that's that's very that's very fair because it is guilt and it is shame, and not just about oneself ourselves right but it was you know about the situation and about everything that you're going through and with that it's almost realizing that i played a part in the story right i i mean i am the main character of my of my own story right so i played a huge part in that but i think that i for the longest time 
I was refusing to look at that because I was also refusing to take accountability. And again, it's that mindset shift, right? I'm not the victim here. And I think it's also being vulnerable because for me, what the main piece of that was is when I was young, you know, when I was the 13-year-old girl and I was vulnerable, my vulnerability was not honored. And I was made to feel ashamed of myself, ashamed of who I am and guilt and feel guilty, you know, of something that I didn't have control over. So that was a replay in my in my adult life. And in my head was if I show that I'm vulnerable and if I show that I need help or, you know, I don't have this under control, right? Am I going to be met in the same harsh way when I was younger? So it's almost that fear that's layered in there that if people see the parts of me that are broken, right? Maybe they're not going to love me. But again, it's doing that work and realizing that it's not about others loving you. It's not about others giving those things to you. It's about you loving yourself with all of your parts. The pretty ones, the ugly ones, the broken ones, the ones that have weird habits and weird things. It's it's about that self-love. And it's not something that, you know, you just snap your fingers and it's done. It is constant work to learn how to love yourself and be there and do that that work and being vulnerable, right? Because everything that is being said today here, a lot of my, you know, even my closest friends do not know about me, but it's breaking that barrier down and having that confidence and that strength in you and knowing that there's nothing that can harm you, right? If you're, if you feel safe in yourself and secure in yourself and you understand all parts of you, there's nothing external that can actually affect you. So if me sharing those parts of me and being vulnerable and putting it out there for the world turns the light on, for one person, then it's all worth it, right? To help someone else shift it and be, you know what? I don't deserve this. This is not what it's supposed to be. And I need to look at myself and I need to be able to love myself better. And that's why I chose to do this because, I mean, I I mentioned that at the beginning, right? It was something that was a little bit nerve wracking, Mm -hmm. sharing those all of those things publicly so yeah I, and it's definitely scary like being vulnerable can be very scary especially if you're not sure if it is a safe space to be vulnerable mm-hmm. which i would imagine is a whole nother layer of your your safety and the unconscious layers of safety and lack thereof from your your childhood like those mm-hmm. those things don't go away they're no. still like we heal a wound, but it's just like a, it's just like a massive gash on our skin. We can heal it. We can stitch it up. It'll stop bleeding, but there will be a scar there forever. Absolutely. That, but we have to, we do have to heal it. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. 
because you know you can it will always be there because it is a part of you it is a part of what shaped you it does not control you if you don't want it to control you right but it is a part of how you perceive the world of how you act right and it's part of managing those triggers because you know those save those that feeling of safety is major in me. It's major in in the romantic partnerships that I pursue, in my friendships, in in the work that I do. It's it's a huge aspect of it. I've healed it. I've looked at it. There's times that it wakes up again when something happens. When I'm faced with a situation that's familiar, it's like all oh, this pain is all too familiar, right? Okay, what can we do differently here? But it just finds in pl- its place inside of you. So I think a really important thing to touch on too is like, how does a person get the courage to leave when, I mean, I, I know I've stayed in a long-term relationship that was toxic for far longer than I should have. It lasted a little over two years and it should have lasted about two days. Like it just, it was not, I went into it in a very lonely state and thought that that was going to fix my loneliness. And that was one of the lessons that I pulled from that. And I suppose similarly to you, for me, it was a a pretty big event at the end that was finally like, okay, I'm, I'm done. What do you think somebody can do that's in that situation that they can choose them before they even get to that point? Like, how do we how do we learn to choose self? Because there's, I mean, there's also so many places in our culture and our society that, uh, you know, says selfishness is such a, a wrong thing. And That's like right. that leads us down all kinds of loneliness too. selfishness is not inherently a bad thing. There are times when, yes, we should make some sacrifices and times when we really need to choose and learn how to choose ourselves. So what would be your biggest advice for somebody that's kind of in one of those relationships and they're like, oh man, I'm unhappy, but I don't know how to leave. How do they I will say that it's know your self-worth. Know that you are worth far more than what you're getting in a toxic relationship, whether that's a romantic one, whether that's a friendship or or a family bond. Know your self-worth. And the other thing is, you don't have to go through it alone. And it's okay, because it's amazing once you start talking to people, you're not the only one that's going through something like this. And there's help, and there's people who are absolutely going to be there for you to help you get out. There's always a choice. For me, like I said, it, I didn't say anything until it was it was farther down the road. It was too late. I had already left. If I had to, I don't have any regrets in my life because I do believe that everything that has happened to me has led me exactly where I need to be. But if I was to redo that part, I would say something much sooner. I would ask for help because we think that we're the only ones going through this. What are others going to think about us? And it's it's shifting that, right? Because mm-hmm. best friend came to you with the exact same situation you're going through and asked for your help. You would not even flinch. You would say to them, you know, you need to get out. You need to do this. Or 
offer that support. So there is that help. There are others out there, friends and family, and you know there's professional resources as well that will help you do that. But you have to realize your self-worth and you have to love yourself enough to do it because that's a major part. We think we deserve it sometimes. We think that we deserve the, the bad things that are happening to us. We think almost that we're not good enough for something better. And again, that's very, very tightly closed. Uh, sorry, that's very, very closely tied to self-love and understanding your self-worth. But there is a way out and you do have a choice. You always have a choice. And choose right. your every time if it is between someone else and your own well-being your physical well-being your mental your emotional your spiritual well-being choose you like you have to put yourself first and i agree there are times that we have to be um uh, you know we have to demonstrate selfish selfishness but not when it comes between your well-being and someone else's definitely i agree it's interesting you know they always talk about you know put uh in the event of emergency put your face mask on before assisting That's others right. you know and because you have to and i think a lot of people misunderstand that if you start to put somebody else's face mask on that they're not capable of putting it on and you pass out and right. i also think about a one a podcast a while back with Bess Iverson, who is a the mother of, and her son is adopted, and she does all kinds of stuff for unraveling adoption and the things and pains that can come along with that. And she talked about going through therapy for herself to be better for her son. And her therapist told her, like, yes, you have to go through this. You have to do this work for yourself because when you show up for your son who is dealing with drug addiction, if you show up ungrounded, now you're both ungrounded. You have to be and show up grounded. And this is the only way you're going to be able to show up grounded is by doing this work. And it's ongoing and it's constant. And my question for you related to that too, because it, it always, this one always sticks out to me. It's like there, cause there was a point in my journey on all this where I got really overwhelmed by like, man, am I ever good enough? Can I ever not do this work? Why why can't I just stop and just be me? What when is it done? What what do you think about that point in that journey when you have to you face that choice of the work's never done? I think I now embrace it. And it's it's it sounds funny and it sounds weird, but now anytime that there's a challenge that comes up, yes, there's this part of me, there's the, you know, our human side, our ego side that says, well, here we go again, right? But then it's almost looking at it from a place of curiosity, right? And mm -hmm. okay, there's a lesson here. Yes, maybe I'm not able to see it right away, right? Because some lessons are not going to reveal themselves until it's a little bit later. But what do I have to learn to be better? And for me, what drives me is that I want to show up better for myself because in turn i can hold i can hold that space for others to show up for themselves because exactly like you said it unless i'm grounded unless i am centered i cannot offer that to someone else right 
So the work is never done. The shadow work is never done. There's there's moments of bliss and there's times, you know, that that go through and nothing major is happening. And then there's times that, you know, it's it's time for you to take that next step on the journey. And it's going to be challenging. And we're always going to have those challenges. We're always going to to encounter them. But it's coming from a place of curiosity. What am I supposed to learn here? Right? Because yeah. at any given moment, we are exactly where we are supposed to be. And I truly believe that. You can be standing at the fork of the road. And, you know, there's there's two roads, but regardless which one you take, even if you took the one that is more difficult, it is still going to lead you exactly where you're supposed to be. I, I truly believe that. And I would encourage everyone, take the road that's less traveled. Because in the end, it is so worth it. It is right. so worth it to be able to you know, to give that hope to others, right? To to hold that space for someone else, for them to see that they can do it and there is there is another side to it and there is light at the end of the tunnel. But you know what? You have to go through the tunnel and you have to get out of that door, put your hand on the handle and open it yourself. I like it. Yeah. I like it. That that uh, is similar to what some of the thoughts that I've come up with on that idea recently, and I like to think in analogies. And so this analogy finally came to me, and it plays on the the quote: "Life is a journey, not a destination." And so all this stuff that we do, all the the self care, the shadow work, journaling, all those different things, whatever it is, they're they're navigational skills to navigate the journey of life. And if you choose to not do these things, you're just going to stay complacent. You're going to stay still. Some people, that's fine. But guess what? That means you don't ever get to journey and see what else is out there. I'm, like that always boggled my mind when I think about people that grow up and live in the same hometown. And I know there's some people that grow up, that grew up in my hometown that I went to school with that listen to this. So maybe they'll get a kick out of this. I, I couldn't do that. That wouldn't be for me. I need... I. I'm not a nomad. I don't need to go everywhere, but I do need to explore. So I look at all this stuff as the navigational skills to explore life and go through the valleys and go through the mountains and not and go through the plains and go through the oceans and all the different places that we can journey and explore rather than just staying in the same spot the entire time. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, no matter what, the destination is the same. The destination is death. Yes, absolutely. Right. It, it is that transition. And you're right. The destination is the same. How you get there is your choice yep. because we have free will. So are you going to get there kicking and screaming? Right. Or are you going to do the work, overcome the obstacles and, you know, enjoy that journey that's coming with it the destination is still going to be the same you choose how you're going to travel it mm-hmm. and it's almost sometimes we remove ourselves from that from that choice because we refuse to take accountability we refuse to take ownership right and i think that that sometimes plays a lot in how we make those choices but 
you're absolutely right. You know, our our energy and our soul has an expiry date in this physical world, in this lifetime, right? But, you know, for me, I believe in reincarnation. I believe that we are that energy. I don't believe that everything stops here, right? Because as energy, we get transmuted. It can never die, right? But wouldn't you want to... Well, regardless of what you believe, wouldn't you want to take all of those lessons and all of those things, the things that you've learned and carry them on to wherever, you know, your soul is going? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. It's just how you choose to take the journey. Tell me a little bit about your work and what you do and how you use those gifts and tools to support other people with their journey and, and their ability to, to navigate these terrains of life. Right. Um, so a lot of the work that I do is healing work in everything that I do. So whether that is a, you know, a reading that I'm doing, that I'm channeling spirit or someone's loved ones, or that I'm doing energy healing, whatever the session that I'm doing is, there's always this element of healing, but it's, it's coming from a place of, Allowing others to understand that they have the choices, right? They have the choice to heal themselves and overcome all of those those issues. And it's really holding that space and listening, right? And when someone comes because, you know, people that, that come to us for those things, you hear all kinds of stories. And a lot of the stories are can be very, very similar to my own story because I do believe that as a healer, people are going to be drawn to you that have gone through very similar events in their lives and because the, the the energy attracts itself. But it's just more so holding that space and coming from a place of no judgment because who am I to judge someone for what they've decided in their life or the choices that they made? And passing down you know those those messages for them and channeling those messages for them to understand where they're going what they need to shift their focus on right is it something that they need to work on and more so being there to remove that element of fear right of what is on what is waiting for me on the other side of this right if i make this choice what is waiting for me on the other side because the fear does hold us sometimes from making the, the right choice for ourselves. And it's, you know, bringing to light all of those traits of the authentic soul, right? Of returning to yourself, of loving yourself first, whatever that is, and helping people understand that no matter how challenging your journey is, you can get there. And there's there's things that you have to look at, right? Because shadow work does come up a lot in, in in my line of work. And a lot of people don't understand necessarily what is shadow work. So it's for me well, also, work then. Right? So it's like going within and 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 healing that inner child of yours and looking at yourself and almost be, not judging you though. It's almost becoming that observer that experiences the things that are happening to you but you're not judging it you're not you're not beating yourself down about it it's like observing what's happening understanding what you need to work with right and find find your your way back 
to that little girl and that little boy because that's what it all boils down to right it's that inner child that maybe wasn't loved the way that it should have been mm-hmm. maybe they went through trauma in their you know when you're little or even when you're an adult but it's returning the, to that self-love and i think that's what it all boils down to it's loving yourself enough to be willing to do the hard work so you can get to a better place i often like to to think about shadow work is at least for me like acknowledging the parts of me that i didn't want to acknowledge before like mm-hmm. like i mentioned with the shame and the guilt and stuff like that and i think a lot of times we we forget about them because they were moments of shame and like things that helped me in particular to try and paint an example for the listeners i often struggled with why did people pick on me why was i bullied what did i contribute to that because for so many years it was why did they do that to me and i never looked at how did i contribute to that environment that's a hard thing to do mm-hmm. very hard thing to do because we feel the pain of being attacked and we don't want to believe that we contributed to it but that's the shadow we contribute to every single event in our life we are the common denominator of our story and of our life and we contribute to it in every moment now the outcome is not always what we wanted to contribute to and that's the point of the shadow work is looking at that and be like you know i didn't want to contribute to that outcome what did i do that contributed to that outcome because bringing the awareness to that shadow bringing the awareness to that part of you that ugly part of you and loving it anyways is the awareness so that you can contribute in a more meaningful and joyful and purposeful and intentional manner absolutely and it's owning that right it's accepting and acknowledging that the shadow is as much a part of you as your light side yep. you can't have one without the other you can't have only the shadow or only the light you need the balance of both and it's acknowledging and accepting it and not mm-hmm. being afraid to look at it right because ultimately once you come out on the other side it's it's just a beautiful moment right because you understand so much more you gain that knowledge you gain that awareness and self awareness to be able to navigate the challenges that life is going to throw at you right so i think that sometimes a lot of people also get impatient with themselves and mm-hmm. you know they just want they just want to be done with it and it's like why do i have why do I have to keep on doing this, right? Why can I not just be done with shadow work? Because you can. It's part of our physical journey in this world, right? It right. Is, it's a part of you. So, We interrupt this show with a brief message. This podcast was created with a strong sense of belonging. A strong sense of belonging is imperative to cultivating a life of joy, fulfillment, and purpose. With a strong sense of belonging, you will have the confidence it takes to do and create life on your terms. It is time for you to break free from your self-limiting thoughts, your insecure thought patterns, and the social conditioning that keeps you from living your most authentic life. The Belonging Blueprint is a self-development course that has been designed to help you create the deepest sense of belonging within yourself. I'll be with you 
guiding you along the way as you grow to a place that leaves you empowered to experience life on your terms. You can join me and others in a private community that will support you on your journey of personal growth and development. To get more information and enroll today, you can click the link in the show notes or message me directly. Now back to the show. And you can't, you can't get rid of it. Like, and, and that's, that was the trap that I was in for so long. It's like I wanted to get rid of it. And the turning point in a person's life is when they when they finally make that connection of there is no getting rid of it. It's we have to make peace with it, and making peace with it is looking at that that shadow, that ugly part, that part that we really don't want to look at. You got to look at it. Mm-hmm. And I always conceptualize it like the the boogeyman, right? It's the shadow work. It's the scary monster in the closet. Yes, and it's so fucking scary in the dark. Yes. But when you turn the light on and you look at it, you realize it's just the shadow of your favorite coat hanging in the closet and looking at it and doing that shadow work and acknowledging those parts of you is turning that light on. And it makes all that stuff a whole lot less scary. Absolutely. That's a beautiful analogy, right? And it's like we resist it, you know, And and I find this for myself as well we resist it we don't want to go through it so the more you resist it the harder it's going to get yeah it's almost like this for myself the the closest way that i can describe it is that i surrender to it but i surrender Mm, to the way that i acknowledge the hard feelings that i'm dealing with and the emotions the grief the anger the shame the guilt whatever that is I thank the emotions for coming because they're here to shift my focus to something that I need to work on. There's a lesson there for me. And once I do that, I allow them to pass through me because Mm -hmm. now it's going to take less time instead of me constantly sitting there and resisting it and not wanting to do it. It's going to keep persisting. It's not going to go away. Right? So allow yourself to feel those emotions, work through them. Don't hold on to them let them go, release them, right? And there's beauty in releasing as well. Release what doesn't serve you anymore. Release what's not yours because we also hold on a lot that's not ours. A lot of people take on the burden of others, right? We absorb others' energy and it's it comes to a point where you have to really separate what's yours and what's not. And what's yours, it's yours to deal with. But what's not yours, you don't you don't have to carry on that burden, right? But allow it to run through you because it's going to make the process much easier. Like I said, your the, the outcome is is there. How you get there, right? Whether you get there kicking and screaming and crying your eyes out and refusing to look at it, or you decide, okay, I'm just gonna work through this. I'm going to learn what it's trying to teach me. I'm going to learn something more about myself. You're still going to get to the same outcome, right? So it's your choice. Definitely. And you have a choice. Everybody has a choice. Absolutely. You have a choice and you have free will. Absolutely. All right, Evangelia. I appreciate your time and and you sharing your story with me. I, I don't want to take up too terribly much more of your time. I like to end every episode with one last key component and this journey being about self-care particularly what i like to promote is self-care what is 
your like go-to self-care tool that you use on the on the regular that is really important to you and you find a lot of value out of and like how can other people potentially use it and incorporate it into their journey and what can they potentially look for to get out of it absolutely i like to refer refer to it more so as spiritual self-care but it actually you know it has it entails all of the components but mm-hmm. it's grounding yourself right grounding and centering yourself so at the beginning of the day i'll share my routine right i long before i'm up and i open up my eyes in my bed i speak out my gratitude others like to write a gratitude journal that's a great way as well but i speak out before my day begins the things that i'm grateful for and it can be something small the coffee that i'm going to have on that day or it could be something really big in my life then moving on from there is grounding yourself so you can still walk into your day and there's going still to be challenges but if you walk into your day grounded the way that you deal with those challenges is very very different meditation i love to meditate um i also sometimes call it contemplating because i don't always close my eyes but it's it's having those moments of sitting with yourself right because that's when you're truly going to know and you're going to be able to hear from yourself what is it that you need the most. And obviously, you know, we have the the fun self-care things and our bubble bus and our alone time and all of those beautiful things. But for me, is that connection with spirit and that connection with the source that it gives me everything that I need to know right? Whether that's something I need to work on or something that I'm doing good. It's find that connection to whatever source represents to you, right? So turning inwards and being heart-centered. Fantastic. That sounds fun. I can can relate to some of that stuff too, for sure. That's built in some of the very similar things are built into my morning routine. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. It was great to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining Project Unchained today. It's important to note that I'm not a doctor nor a licensed therapist. I'm just a guy who is passionate about helping empower others to break free from their limiting thoughts and beliefs to have extraordinary life experiences. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That will ensure that this podcast can reach more people. We're more powerful together, so please do share this with others. I'm always happy to engage with you, so please do reach out via social media or email if you'd like to chat. A special thank you to my very talented cousin, Galen Lee, for the intro and outro music to this show. The song is Lost in the Woods from her 2018 album, Learning How to Stay. You can find Galen's albums on Bandcamp, Spotify, and ViolinScratches.com. Until next time, make your life experience extraordinary. Let's get unchained.
take yourself away.